Welcome back to the Deliberate Leaders Podcast. I am your host and executive business coach, Allison Dunn. Today, our topic is how to stand out without burning out. Our guest is Sarah Ross. She is an international keynote speaker, founder and vitality, excuse me, chief vitality officer at the leadership research firm, Brain Ant. Sarah is on a mission to redefine success by helping leaders and their people reignite a sense of aliveness in their work and in their lives. Sarah, thank you so much for joining us here today. Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to it. My pleasure. I love to kick these off with a deliberate conversation. Okay. What would be your number one leadership tip for our listeners today? Number one. Number one. At least you start out with an easy question to really warm us up to this. Um, I think that there, oh, I'm sure we'll hit a couple, but but I think in the context of what we're talking about today, this idea of how to how to stand out, and I will just clarify out of the gate, when I say stand out, I really mean how to allow yourself to bring your very best forward, your most energized self forward. I think for many leaders, uh, very well-intentioned leaders, especially over the last couple of years, they have inadvertently created this environment where uh, they have they are needed for everything. And that that can be incredibly challenging because that means you actually have to be available for everything and respond to every email and be a part of every meeting. And I think that there is something to this very simple idea to remember that Caring for your people is so important, and we're going to talk about this today, but that is not the same as carrying your people and recognizing as a leader, your goal is to activate that potential in others and recognize that that doesn't mean you do all of the work of putting that into play. So I'll leave that there, but I find that that is a powerful idea for people to start thinking about. Um, I love the translation between caring caring, caring and yep. carrying. And yes. I'm hoping that we can wrap that up, tie that back during, during our episode. Okay. Fantastic. Um, the, um, your release of your book came out in January. And so your book is, uh, just, just behind you, I can see it, but it's dear work. Something has to change. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I know it's a bizarre title. It's, it's not the typical title. It is a fantastic title, but I think that that we're going to kind of dive into some of the content that's inside of that today. So Sarah, how can people tell whether their career needs to change or they need to change? I mean, I do think it is such a huge question and, and I kind of break this out in the book. I talk about this idea of there is no doubt that from a workplace pers- perspective, there like there are challenges of workloads. There is this idea of trying to do more with less. Um, if you're out there and you're a business owner, there is absolutely no doubt you are feeling feeling the pressure of trying to hire people and keep people. Like that, that is so incredibly challenging. And there are the challenges of the workplace. And then there are challenges with our beliefs about work. And when I say beliefs about work, I think that they can be broken into our beliefs about how we think we need to achieve success, how we approach stress, and then actually how we think about and apply strategies when it comes to how we rest. But really, I think that how we think about success is one of the places that gets us really, that really kind of gets us trapped at times because we think that 
we, the only way to be successful is to kind of go all in all the time, every single day. And while the intentions and while the motives are always so incredibly good, it actually ends up putting us deeper into that kind of survival mode where we are spinning our wheels. And it is much harder to do the work we need to do in an effective and strategic way that also demonstrates that empathy and leadership that is required. And so is there a way to tell what the difference is? I would say the first step is to actually kind of step back and look at have you created an environment, get some feedback. So I should start there, like actually ask some people when they are observing you. The, one of the things I see people do is they get so overly consumed with work. Like they, I, I'm going to throw another one at like being committed to your work. Isn't the same as being consumed by it. And when we get overly consumed, we tend to over personalize things and, and all feedback feels like a personal attack and, and our way is the only way. And if people aren't doing it the same way, then they don't care the same. And, and I think that that can be a really vicious cycle. So it is a hard thing when you're in the middle of it and feeling overwhelmed to figure that out. And we aren't good at doing that. So bring in people that you respect and care about to start to give you some feedback on, on what they're noticing about how you approach that, that work. I don't think there is, I don't, I don't know. I think I'm going to, as soon as we're done here, I'll think of something perfect about what that one, one thing is. But I think that it often comes down to just, just how overly invested we end up getting in work sometimes and recognizing if your work wasn't something that you were doing, if your title wasn't your title, would you still be okay? And if you would be okay, and you've got some perspective and people have given you some feedback to say like, hey, maybe taking a break sometimes would be really important versus, hey, you're working in an environment where this is chipping away at your confidence and it is eroding your well-being. And you have tried to set those boundaries and we've had these conversations and I've seen you try to take action and things aren't changing. Those are so different. Like when you're in that place, I, I do believe the cost of, there is not a cost that makes a job like that worthwhile. Uh, but before people jump out, just make sure that you've actually done the things to set the boundaries, to have the hard conversations before you leave a role or an industry that you're passionate about. Uh, what you've shared, and I'm just going to like reinforce kind of the words you just used, because I really appreciate, I really appreciate what you just said is um, there's a fine line between being committed to one's success and being yes. consumed by yes. one's success. And that is a, a very common coaching conversation that we have with clients. Yeah. And I think um, not only is it a fine line, but it's, it's a, a difficult balance yeah. to achieve. Um, and I appreciate like recognizing, like, you know, um, if you're doing all of the right things, then the right results will happen ultimately yeah. into the, at the end of the day, if someone's listening today and yeah. they are feeling more consumed yeah. than committed, what, um, what would be like taking a step back, but how do they resolve for that quickly? I would say, so when you ask that, how do we resolve for that quickly? How do we back away from feeling consumed? Yeah. I think what we, that's kind of what we've seen. And I'm just going to put my, put it out there that quiet quitting, I do not believe is the answer. Um, 
because at the end Thank of the you. day, and, and just, answer. yeah, like we, and we, and there's a whole different, like it's how it's being interpreted and all kinds of different people see this differently. I think anything that is done quietly means that we haven't had the conversation. And then we, we just miss the opportunities when we don't actually have conversations. And so the first part is to actually bring that to to the table, to bring that to the people that you are working with, working for, to have that conversation, to share how you are experiencing, to also share that the way you are experiencing work, perhaps it's through that exhaustion or that overwhelming stress and pressure you're feeling, that it is not actually best for the business and that your goal is to be able to contribute your very best. And so can we have a conversation about what that might look like? There are all of the things that everyone is talking about. There is setting boundaries. There is putting an end to your day. There's taking breaks in the middle of the day. It is you know, stopping and actually disconnecting from work mentally as much as you do physically. There are all those things that we all really know about but it kind of comes back to that same thing that we talked about before. We, there is nothing wrong with being committed to your work, like loving your work. There's nothing wrong with being helpful and wanting to be responsive to your clients, to your teammates, to your boss. There is nothing wrong with drive or having high standards. But when some of those emotions, those kind of, I'm going to call them, blackmailing emotions, when we start taking those values that really are really important to us, and we use fear, obligation, guilt, or validation. When one of those four, we use those against ourselves to start overriding what is best for us to do in that moment, ultimately what is best for the business in that moment as well, that is usually where we get ourselves stuck. So our brain is designed for questions. A simple question can be, are these actions helping me bring my best, most energized self forward? Or are they keeping me and pushing me deeper into survival zone? Like sometimes simply interrupting the narrative and the energy we're putting into something and adding a question is all our brain needs to be like, huh, this doesn't seem to be working. Like we don't give ourselves enough credit to ask ourselves the question and reflect on it. And it's often because we just haven't thought of the question beforehand. So have a set of those questions, ask yourself and check in. Is the, am I doing this out of a sense of like fear of, of worry? I'm letting people down of guilt. If I, if I don't do this, then everything's on my shoulders or, and I see this is probably the most dangerous one, uh, sometimes out of a sense of validation because we get approval and we get applause and we get accolades when we are the people who everyone counts on. And I am like, I must put two hands up because it is one that, that is probably been, was the hardest thing to deal with writing this book continues to be the one that I have to be like, ew, I know exactly why I'm doing this because I want someone to be like, we can always count on Sarah, but that actually takes away from what I can offer my clients, the business and what anybody else can, which is actually how I started this. Because if you are the only one that does everything, then you actually disempower the people around you. Right. Um, so uh, what you've just shared are simple questions that we can ask ourselves when we're in that situation. Um, are there other simple questions we can ask to empower the people around us to ask mm -hmm. for help? 
um, and, and help them um, basically not get to a point of burnout. Yeah. Well, I think that I, there's a couple that help right away. Like, I think that we have to people at, if you have people that you are responsible for, or you have people that you just work alongside with, the fact that we care about those connections matters. And that means sometimes we have to have like a specific check-in, like not to, not to see how work is going, but to actually say, Hey, how are you doing? If we were to talk about, you know, if I can check in, not just how are you doing, but from an energy perspective, like mentally, emotionally, physically, how, how are you feeling? What's really working? What's getting in the way? What's distracting for you? Is there anything that we can do as a team, I can do as a manager that would help remove some of those obstacles or distractions? Like that openness, just, I think we get so caught on what are the perfect questions that we completely underestimate how just being present demonstrating true curiosity and care and just trying, Mm -hmm. trying to open up those conversations and be vulnerable to say, I don't know if I'm even overstepping, but I care about you. And I care about your ability to work in a way that is healthy for you. So I I really want to check in. And, and if you're a leader, I mean, you set a tone, whether you realize it or not, you lead by example, whether you choose to or not. And so I think for leaders to also express some of the things that they're experiencing, what's working for them and, and what has been really challenging. Um, that resonates with me at this moment, um, on this day, April 4th, <laughs> in a lot of ways. Thank you. In, um, in what ways do we accidentally create cultures of helplessness at work? It is, oh, it is not, uh, it is not a popular opinion. So I'm going to start this way. And and I am going to say that it is one of these things that can be it comes down to how we talk about stress, I think a lot. And and I am going to be the very first person I have been studying leadership, emotional intelligence, the impact of pressure and stress for the last 15 years. And so there is zero, zero argument that, that too much stress for too long is going to have a negative impact on people. It really can, if there is, if there aren't strategies and mindsets and, and, and support systems in place to work with that stress in a different way. But the reality is if you ask most people nowadays, like how they are doing, it is so typical for someone to be like, I am so stressed. And we now talk about stress to represent every single thing we don't like, <laughs> whether we are, are bored, we're stressed, we're busy, we're stressed, we're overwhelmed, we're stressed, we have a difficult person we're dealing with, we're stressed. And what has started to happen is we've kind of generalized what being stressed means in this negative way. And so we just see everything we are experiencing as, as stressful. And, and when you, when we go back to the, to the work around what lends itself to a resilient and optimistic outlook. It's, it's when people recognize that things happen in, in kind of 
for specific reasons in specific areas. And, and they recognize that they have a contribution to that sometimes in the environment, sometimes circumstances also have a contribution. But what we have started to do with stress is just generalize it. So it feels like stress is impacting every single aspect of our life. And, and it's always this way. And we are losing sight of some of those positive things. And then we're either getting caught in a over-personalization, like I suck, look at everyone else. They're pulling it off. They're doing it so well. They're not feeling overwhelmed. They don't have all the resources and they're still figuring this out. So we either do this, which makes us feel stuck and helpless, right? Or we do the opposite and we say, see what's happening to me. Look at all of these things around me. And we when we do that, we inadvertently give away our sense of agency. We give our sen- give away a, a sense of, of power that we have in a situation. And as cliche as it is, we can't always control the things that are happening to us. But I cannot think of a situation outside the immediacy of something occurring. I can't think of a situation that I have been in it that I have heard from anyone I've researched that I have come across from a coaching perspective where there was not an opportunity for someone to do something for themselves to change that situation. And I completely agree. Yeah. But I think what started to happen is with all the, and everything I will say with all the best of intentions, um, there are, are many people who are like, come and fix this for me. Like work isn't working for me right now. It doesn't feel meaningful 24 seven. Like I'm not getting the feedback I want. I'm getting too much feedback that I don't want. And, and, and mm-hmm. please know, I, I, be, I think leadership is a hard skill. And I think there are some great leaders and I absolutely know there are some not so great leaders, but we have created an environment where I think it's that work is supposed to fix people. And people are waiting to be fixed versus saying, have I done everything in my power to change this situation? Have I had the conversations I need to have? Have I shared the boundaries that are really important to me? Have I decided that there is a time that it is okay to shut my computer down? Um, am I sleeping with my phone under my pillow? And, and I say this because it if we are waiting to be fixed... people are just too, too tired. People need too many different individual things. We need to look at an overall system, but we have to recognize that we have agency in a situation and we have to be able to look at what we have an opportunity to make choices around. And if it is just based on how work is going to change, then we are going to feel helpless and stuck and sad and miserable and feeling like work doesn't matter and or feeling like work does matter, but we don't matter. We're going to feel stuck in that cycle and we do not have to. And so I would like to see before it was like self-care and, you know, here's a gym membership, go deal with your stress. And I think it's the pendulum swung a little bit to workplaces, fix this and make work wonderful all the time, which it's just not always going to be wonderful, unfortunately. And I think we have to really come back and meet in the middle to recognize that it's nuanced, it's complex, but it's a collaborative, collective approach that we need to take. We have to address systems, but we also have to take our personal agency back. And those two meeting together with conversations that 
that are open, I think lends itself to a much more successful uh, future than waiting for one side to fix the other side. I'm curious as a, let's say a leader listener, who a listener who's a leader right now at the moment, and they have someone who's given up their agency and yeah. they are being looked to, to, to fix. Yeah. Oh, things. How, um, how do you, and maybe it's not recognized by the other party. Yeah. So agency has been given up and they are looking to you. And you need to have this conversation. <laughs> so let me make sure I know the question because I think my brain jumped to it because it's, the, it's the, I think it's the hardest one. It okay. is what you're asking me. If you are a leader and you have someone who is, who has given up their agency, they're stuck in, in helpless mode. And it feels really genuine to them. Like you, you want to be empathetic and recognize they really feel overwhelmed <laughs> and, or that, you know, things can't change. They've tried everything. How as a leader, do you help get people out of that mode? Is that the question? Yes. Well, that is the multi-million dollar question. <laughs> I think that's Are you not going to just give that to me? <laughs> no, if I knew it, I would, I would use it. And I think this is what yeah. becomes really important. I think leaders, you don't have to fix that for people. And I will come back again and again. There are a couple of questions. I can share them really quickly if you would find this helpful. And it's not specific to what you asked, but it's the conversations around that will start to create people getting out of it. So I find that a lot of leaders get are suffering from what I call fixer fatigue, uh, meaning that they are always trying to fix everything and, and it's exotic. They're like, all I do is put out buyers. Um, so when someone comes to you with a challenge, I think what happens is sometimes as a leader, it's like, oh, I've got to help them and show them and, and help them see that they've got agency here. And they end up taking that problem, putting it on their back and then being like, this is how you fix it. And then that person continues to feel helpless and stuck. So I go back. So don't worry about the perfect questions. Here's a couple of simple questions. When somebody, if you're a leader and somebody comes to you with a problem, before you do anything else, ask this simple question. <laughs> what have you tried so far? And it is so ridiculously simple, but we've all been on the receiving end of going to somebody, asking for advice, bringing a problem forward, a challenge, and then somebody does, but they give you the most, the most obvious idea or solution or advice. And it is to the point that it actually feels offensive. Like you, you're like, thank you. I have tried that. <laughs> That's why I'm coming to you. But I think for leaders to ask that question, number one is it, it helps respect the, the person who's standing in front of you. Completely. Number two, and, and this seems so small, but if the answer is nothing, then as a leader, I'm going to ask you to recognize, hold the emotions, the frustrations, whatever it might be, and recognize that there's a very good chance that you have trained this person to know that you will fix things for them. Isn't that interesting? It, it's, and again, it comes from the very best of intentions. So what have you tried so far? Uh, the other two questions are so are so simple that it follows up with, what else would be important to consider about this situation? Mm -hmm. And here, it, what it's starting to do is broaden 
how someone is thinking about a problem and, and like other conversations might like other questions, other things might, might dovetail off of this, but now you're allowing that person to also recognize that there's other people involved. There's other perspectives involved. It's broadening that piece. And believe it or not, that makes people feel less alone because now they're starting to think about these other elements. And then the last question is probably the hardest question for many people because it feels like it's going to be a value rub. And the reason I say that is the question is, how are you thinking of moving this forward? What's, what are you thinking as the next step? What that question isn't is how can I help? What do you need from me? And that I always say that can be question four, but that cannot be question three because the reality is when you help people start to recognize and think through solutions, even if, if they feel overwhelmed, it's like, what's the smallest first step you could possibly take? You help build the confidence that, that they can move things forward. And truly, there is, we really do confuse feeling helpless for being exhausted. And, and often the opposite is that feeling empowered is genuinely energizing. And so there's this double win-win. So all of a sudden you've helped this person start to recognize that there's some accountability on their side. It's starting to challenge them to kind of think through and, and take some ownership of a situation to expand it, to think of other people. And now to start to build the confidence to look for solutions, to think through how to move something forward, to not depend on another person. And now as a leader, you're understanding their thought process. Now as a leader, you're understanding what they actually need. You know where perhaps this will be beneficial or, or, or where you can offer some heads up on different things, but now you're meeting them where they are and helping support them in the way that they need to move forward versus you trying to drag them along to where you want them to be. So both sides, we've just created this environment that is more energizing, more positive and more empowering. I hope that helps. I hope I, because I can tell you, I just use those three questions with many, 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 many people. Uh, and I have always heard uh, positive feedback on them. Um, for those who are listening currently to the episode, I will highlight those specific three questions in the big tip takeaway from this particular episode. So thank you, Sarah. I appreciate that. And then the fourth question, which you only ask if you have to. That's it. And that's it. And believe it or not, most of the time, I'll just say, how are you thinking of moving this forward often ends up being like, and here's what I, what would be really helpful from you. Right. Like it just now you've built a relationship. And that's why I don't think there is a perfect set of questions or a perfect strategy because we have to meet people where they are. And not everyone is the same. And usually the people we're having the hardest time with are the people that are either doing exactly what we do and we're unaware, or they are the exact opposites. And it's the things that are hardest for us to manage. And either way, there is a learning opportunity on both sides. Yes, I completely agree. Um, I love the fact that your research is based on emotional intelligence, human soft skills, things. So um, my question is, is how can leaders respond to difficult situations skillfully and with more empathy? Oh, um, to not react. And that is so oversimplified, but I, I think that uh, often where I see people 
make some mistakes is that they feel the need to respond immediately. And so when those emotions do kick in, because they inevitably will, because leadership is hard and people are wonderful and people are hard. And that is just the reality is to actually allow yourself the space to slow down, like genuinely give yourself a moment to compose, compose your thoughts and, and start to recognize kind of not only what do you want to say, but how do you want to demonstrate that in your body language? Um, I think that is is often highly, highly overlooked. And the reality is the messages we send come through, not just in our words. And in fact, we, I mean, there's lots of data on it, but at the end of the day, even if a leader says, uh, ha ha ha, don't do as I do, do as I say, um, people do as leaders do. Yeah because we follow actions and we pay attention to body language and we really do gauge from that. And so for leaders, I think it's really important to be able to slow yourself down, uh, to check in with the kind of body language, to dial up your sense of curiosity. Like the, it is not an easy thing to do, but our brain is genuinely designed for a sense of wonder and curiosity. And it may not be the natural state you are in, but quite literally, I say to leaders, like, if you can just slow yourself down and shift into, and this is the example I said, instead of kind of mental narrative being like, what is wrong with this person? Or like, why are they doing that? To, to as much as possible, just allow yourself a moment and shift into, I wonder what's going on with this person. I, I wonder what information I'm missing. I wonder what question will help them look at the situation differently. So if you want to demonstrate empathy, you have to develop it first. And at the heart of empathy is an ability to withhold your judgments and get curious about the perspectives that that person has, what they are experiencing from where they stand. And that is inevitably in all reality, going to be different, even if you think you've stood in their shoes before. And so if you can actually be curious about what that is um, and give them some time to express, express what that is, we just care about feeling like we care about feeling heard and understood and valued. And that often comes from just being able to slow down and manage ourselves to demonstrate that. And then naturally it becomes an empathetic response. Yeah. Very helpful. Thank you, Sarah. Um, I want to make sure that our listeners have an opportunity to find out where to get your book and then also how to best connect with you. Yeah, please. So my book is available at any of the retailers that you purchase books from. Um, I narrated the audible version of it as well, which was easier to narrate than it was to listen back to, but it has been one of those, one of those things that it was so um, powerful to be able to go through and, and put it to say the different things in my own words. Um, it's in hardcover and softcover. And if people are looking to stay connected, my website is Sarah Ross, S-A-R-A-R-O-S-S.com. Um, but they can also connect with me on LinkedIn and Instagram. I'm at Sarah underscore J underscore Ross. And you'll be able to stay up to date on all things going on and research we are sharing and programs we're sharing from one of those outlets. Fantastic, Sarah. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank I've you. enjoyed our conversation immensely. 
Appreciate it. Thank you.